Oh, I don't have a clever rhyme today, and Casper, I'm sure, is really excited about yes. that. But I'm excited to be here. My name is Almond Scented Al, and uh, joining me as ever is Candy Coated Casper. Almond Scented. Almond Scented. I love yeah. it. It's like a toasted almond or just almond. No, like a like like a you know like a like a cocktail like this, oh you know, yeah flavoring you put mm. in one of them. Mm. And uh, joining us from Swope Guitars, and I forget where in the states you actually are located, but we have Cuddly Chris Swope joining us. Yes, <laughs> that's a good one. I like it. Yeah, see, I, he, he even bad. he even threatened me with a bad one, and I still got candy coated. So. I'm I didn't happy. feel like I'm happy. writing it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Plus, well, look at you. You're just like a little jube jube. Oh, th- <laughs> makes me uncomfortable. Well, you have to candy coat the bitter pills. That is true. Which wow, wow does that, that actually you've nailed Casper to a T? Welcome to the show. Yeah, Chris. I have been called a a grumpy curmudgeon more yeah. often than than anything else. I think yeah. you are you. I mean, I love you, buddy, but you are a bit of a grumpy promotion, and hey, you man. know that's okay. I'm, I'm set in my ways. We all got to be something in this. I'm not place. quite forty yet, but I'm, but you know, forty I'm, going I'm on eighty-five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, um, let's kick it off in the general uh, direction we always mm. do, and uh, go on with what have we been up to, uh, music and or guitar related. Uh, this week, and let's kick it off with Chris. Uh, obviously, you build guitars for a living. So, uh, anything else that's outside of your work realm that you might have on the go? Non-professional, non-professional. Yeah, non-professional. Uh, well, uh, you know, I took my daughter to get her driver's license today. That was non-professional, indeed. I did uh, that, but not guitar well. related. Although she does play guitar. Well, there you go. You took a guitarist to get a driver's license. I love it. That's right. Um, I've been building myself a guitar lately. If you've seen on Instagram, it's not, it's just for me because I'm older than 40. Uh, And I wanted something. I I finally got uh, back in a band after being uh, bandless. After I left New York, I moved to Nashville. I, I, I went like within a month of 20 years without a gig. And, you know, I got married. I had a couple of kids. I moved a few times. I had some like job changes, obviously. But uh, I can't, I can't, I got nothing anymore. Whatever I used to have is gone. You know, it's the old uh, uh, body, Ah. muscles, and, um, I think, you know, 25 years on a bench, uh, hunched over and suddenly a seven and a half pound guitar, which should be glorious is killing me after a couple of hours. And so, um, I've been really having a ball, uh, trying to get as light as I possibly can out of this chunk of wood. And uh, the guitar is pretty much done now. And it's, it's, it's just a neck over six pounds. So I'm excited. Nice. Hopefully nice. I can, you know, it may still like break me. I don't know, but, uh, that's what I've kind of been, uh, doing in my non professional professional time. All right. Other than that yard work and parenting yep. and all that fun stuff. Nice. What about you? Casper? Sweet. Um, 
Not a lot musically, actually. Oh, no, no, that's not true. That's not true at all. Um, I received in the mail, finally, the final rendition of my Indra Pickguard for my SG and put together and assembled the final assembly of... uh, of the the two P ninety uh, SG faded T that uh, that I picked up last year was yeah. it last year already? Yeah, it must have yeah, been it was last year. Yeah, so uh, the car the guitar has been disassembled for probably four or five months now, just kind of slowly working on things. And yeah, you wouldn't want to play that thing while waiting for the parts to all get here. You know what, man? That'd have been a waste listen, of time. Listen, I had a <laughs> I had a timeline in my mind that was not realistic. Okay. And yeah, yeah, the timeline is now. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I figured, I figured it would it, taking it apart and having some time to like really figure out the rerouting of the body because I was really apprehensive about doing it. Um, just because the P90s don't fit into the humbucker holes and that are routed into an SG. Um, and now having completed that, and it wasn't even anywhere near as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, I then had some time to, you know, shield it and do all this other stuff. Um, I didn't anticipate four or five months being the, you know, and there was, there was a bit of a, a, a little bit of a rework, um, that had to happen. So they, it's just, there was a little bit of a delay and it didn't happen. It wasn't anybody's fault. It just, oh, it's the way it worked out and shipping internationally takes, um, like there's time there takes time a dog's age Great now. Car. Oh, it's just fantastic, yeah. and I have to thank you for the the final setup there the other day. And, no worries. And uh, it 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 plays like a like a hot damn. Yeah, and I really like it. I so do too. Bi- big shout to Richard at Indra Guitars. Big shout to Mike at Sonic Pickups. To Sean at Gun Street Wiring. These guys all came together, and yeah, we put together a phenomenal SG for myself, and it's really really great. Yeah, it's. It, and how much does it weigh? Um. No more than a. Oh, it's pretty light. It's pretty light. It's all. It's a mahogany yeah. body, maple neck. It's pretty light. It's uh. You're ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, got I, years to to get weak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the best thing about SGs. Is like even the heaviest SG, not counting a double neck. Which yeah, but I mean, there. Right. I, I shouldn't say the heaviest SG too either, because there no. are some goofy ones we know. But I'm just saying, even the heaviest SG is not a, not a heavy guitar. Yeah. I mean, I do have one lighter guitar, and I don't know if you can see it behind me here, Chris. I just got the video up, but this, yeah, this more here. That's that's under six pounds. Yeah, that one. So, and it's it's all walnut too, so it's like super heavy, dense wood, but it's completely hollow and really, really light. I love that guitar. I like light guitars. I think I'm I'm swayed. Yeah, but the, and then if you want to see its polar opposite, my bass behind it, <laughs> it that weighs as much as the heart of a dead star. It's about 16 pounds or something dumb. I didn't actually weigh it, but it feels like I don't like know if it's 16 pounds, but it's it's got to be. It's over 12. It's got to be at least 13. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it's yeah a, bass players have it rough. It's a brute. Well, and that one, that one was, <laughs> yeah. that was our fault. We, it was an oversight. Yeah. I should have chambered it. It's all ash and walnut, so it's it's heavy. Yeah. We made some, we made some design mistakes on that one. <laughs> But it's got tone. Oh, rings like a bell, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, and what about you, Alan? Me, I did some more setup work this week. Um, Some guys SG, you did a great job on that. Some freaking jerks. Yeah. (laughs) No, I did. So I did your SG, which um, I love doing setups on Gibsons. They're they're generally, they're just so easy. 
They're so easy. Surprisingly, though, the guitar had like a really good fret job. Yeah, it does. Like, it does. It does a perfect fret job. I think yours is. Well, what year is it? It's. I think it's 2017. So 2017. it should be a black one. I think. Yeah, it's black. Um, what does that mean? You guys have you've said that before. What's a plec? It's a, a plec machine, machine. A plec machine is a machine that does fret work, and it does it to within like, like like thousands, thousands of, of, of a millimeter. Like like, it's crazy good. It's it's expensive. Um, I think they cost like a hundred thousand bucks per machine. Yeah, I think most guys lease them. Yeah, you'd that have makes to. Sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I worked at um, Gibson. Prior to the Fleck, and then witnessed the Fleck as it started to take over, and it was night and day uh, comparison of, of how I felt about what went out the door, because um, you know it's just otherwise it's just a process in a factory, and it's a factory, so you don't necessarily have you know a luthier doing your frets. And so the cool thing about the PLEC uh, is not only does it, so, you know, if you level a board, you straighten out the board and you've got to, you know, take a file and knock down the high spots or whatever. And the, the PLEC, you, you put it in the machine, you, you can adjust the truss rod. It scans the neck under a simulated string tension because there's actually you know, fixtures for each type of guitar that press against a bridge area and press against whatever. And, um, it will isolate the highest, you know, if there's one little high spot on a fret, that's where it'll go. That's what it tries to get first. And you, it, you do a reading, the operator draws a line for each string line. And there's a little bit of a, well, there is, there is an operator, um, uh, art to it. You know, not everybody's going to pluck a guitar the way the next guy is because you actually manually draw the arc of how you want relief and whether you want drop off or whatever, or at least that's the way it was back in the, you know, I left Gibson in 2008. Um, but it's great also. So, so yeah, so it, it takes off the minimal amount of fret to bring the guitar into optimal playing, mm -hmm. uh, but it also cuts the nut and two string gauge, the string gauge desired. So it's actually radiuses, individual nut slots. And, you know, I worked at a boutique place for years before that. And when we first heard the plaque, plaque, we just laughed and laughed about it because it took like an hour and a half to do one fret job or one, you know, leveling and dressing frets. And it cost at that time, like, three times as much as it, it does now. Yeah. Uh, but man, I tell you in a production setting, it was just amazing. And they had, I, I'm stealing away from your thunder owl on what you did this week, <laughs> but um, you know, they had two going at once and they had it down to about 15 minutes. You know, the operator would all day long. He's just taking, you know, one guitar after another and, and, and doing that. But, uh, you know, it isolates uh, a bad neck in the process at a point in production where it's no big deal. You know, it's, it's in white wood. It hasn't gone through, you know, most of the processes. And if it's a crummy neck, they'll just saw it off, you know, and send it back. And if it's an SG, they'll probably just run the whole damn thing through a bandsaw. <laughs> uh, whereas before that, 
you know, it wouldn't be until it had gone all the way through production. You know, right. everything it's painted, it's, it's pickups installed, they cut the nut by hand. Uh, it goes to the, the guy's bench and final assembly to give the okay card or whatever. And, uh, you know, if it's buzzy, you know, and I, I've said this before and I hate to say it, I don't mean to besmirch the name of any manufacturer, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, they all do it is, you know, is, have, have we hit our number today? You know, it's like, uh, no, it's like, okay, ship it. We'll deal with it when, if it comes back sort of, sort of thing. And so, and I always felt awful, you know, when something like that, you know, would happen. Uh, and I swear to God, it made such a huge, 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 can't even say it. Huge difference for that, for that company. On a production level, it totally makes sense, I think. Um, and that's okay that you interrupted, by the way. It like it, I honestly just all I did that was that was kind of my week this week because uh, I just did a couple of setups on I did your SG and I did uh, I did another Jaguar. Um, Ooh. and then uh, I made a couple of failed attempts at trading for some stuff. Mm. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a local amp builder who is selling an amp that I really really want. Ah. Uh-huh. And is it, uh, it's, uh, it's Mr. Pizzolotto. Oh yeah. Pizzolotto. Pizzolotto. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Me neither. He's going to listen to this and criticize me and that's okay. (laughs) Um, you're never getting one of his amps again. (laughs) No chance. But, uh, he, he built this, it was actually for a buddy of ours who had a severe change in circumstance, um, and can no longer get the amp, but he built this beautiful little, uh, one watt JTM style circuit um but he built it into a combo with a celestian cream back and the, the whole thing looks like a tv from the 1940s mm, with the wooden legs and the whole bit uh the legs are metal so they're oh, a yeah. little you know but yeah like the yeah. you totally right on the money with the styling of like mid-century modern yep 1940s television and uh he's he's now offering it up for sale just to the general public and i was like dude i will trade you every pedal in my pedal collection just yeah, come on. And he's like, I really need the money, but I'm really tempted. So I'm still hoping I can squeeze this deal through. Maybe I'll offer my cab as part of the trade. Just like yeah, Fender Bass Breaker cab. Look at all the stuff you could sell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because well, I, I could still use my my the the Uncle Class D and and preamp running through this cream back, but then I would also have this. Uh, cool looking thing. It's, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but <laughs> that's what I've been trying. Yeah. So <laughs> those are cool. And he's a great builder. Like, yeah, he yeah. makes some, makes some really interesting stuff and works with, uh, our buddies over at Dr. Scientist to make, uh, some cool stuff as well for his amps. Yep. Only, only amp maker I know of who's taken pedals from a boutique builder like Dr. Scientist and putting them in the amps foot switch. Yep. Which is interesting to say the kind least of, kind of brilliant yeah really and like you know for for doctor scientist collectors out there which there's a whole army of those oh, yeah um it isn't the normal version of the bit quest it's a customized version with different yeah presets and and stuff and it's like 
The only way to get it is to buy the stupid amp. <laughs> it's not a stupid amp. It's a great no, it's amp. a great amp, but it's just like, damn it. Yeah. Fucking. <sighs> but anyways. Yeah. Let's fire into it. Yeah. So right off the hop, I got to say, Chris, you're, you're one of those guests that's very polite. And uh, <laughs> I commend you for it. But feel free to run a train wreck on us and just interrupt whenever the hell you feel like. Because uh, that's, that's what we do. That's how we roll. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> so, um, you've kind of alluded to a little bit of your your story already. You worked for a boutique maker before you worked at Gibson, and then you you worked at Gibson. Um, but I didn't really know any of that stuff, and uh, I realized outside of the fact that uh, if I'm being fully honest, I didn't know your f- brand Swope even existed until I got an offset and was desperate to replace the bridge. And I had just been researching, and of course, everybody leans towards a certain other uh, bridge manufacturer, bridge and trim manufacturer for offset guitars. And then you came on the market with a surprising, and I think um, more interesting and elegant design. And uh, I was immediately drawn to it, and I, I bought one, I think, and I'm not at all 100% certain on this, but I think I was in the first 30. Oh, wow. Um. I, thank you. I, I, well, Nate, no worries. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, I know I was a very early adopter, at least, um, of the Descendant Tremolo. So I, and that was when I first kind of grew an awareness of Swope guitars. And, uh, but I'd love to, you know. I, I, I'm I was, one of the best kept secrets in the business. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I we're going to try uh, and fix that with all 10 yeah, of our listeners. We start, <laughs> yeah. you get ready to I be exposed to in orders half dozens of people. tonight. <laughs> Um, so we often asked our guests to give us the origin story. So I would give us the origin story. How did Chris Swope become Chris Swope Luthier? Well, uh, uh, Chris Swope started playing guitar. That will be the only time I say my name in the third person. (laughs) (laughs) I started playing guitar. I think I was 14 and, um, I pretty much came of age in the eighties. Right. So like, I think I was in seventh grade when 1980 started. And when the eighties ended, I had graduated from college and, yeah, um, I, I, I that, that, walk in the eighties. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the eighties were an interesting time for guitars because, uh, you know, there was, there was, there were not really vintage guitars so much, especially early eighties. They were, there were used guitars. I mean, obviously uh, a Les Paul would have fifties Les Paul would have, you know, commanded money, but generally nobody knew what anything was. And um, there was a lot of modification stuff that I don't think they really did so much in the seventies. You know, the eighties was really kind of like the brass age. Uh, you know, guys were putting brass nuts on their guitars and brass oh, yeah. bridges and, you know, a brass fat head. You guys know what a fat head oh, is? Oh, yeah, I remember the fat heads. That was, yeah, uh, so, you know, fat yeah, head oh, on I the back of the head. Uh, um, so a, a fat head, Casper, and anybody who's not yeah. familiar with it, um, a fat head was basically a brass weight attached to the headstock of your guitar. <laughs> For neck dive. 
for sustain. It was the eighties, man. This was an era to go with the brass nut. The heavier the guitar, the better the sustain. Mm. Uh, yeah. an, an era the electrical guitar company's fast working to bring back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there was DiMarzio and Duncan, and there were a lot of kind of like, um, you know, of course, Eddie Van Halen and his tape job guitar. There was splatter paint. A lot of guys were taking either stripping guitars and doing crazy paint jobs on them. Or, you know, there are a lot of hippie reef end guitars that kind of someone had already done the, the dirty deed to. And, and so you could paint it, you know, crazy, whatever. So there was a lot of that going on. And um, it took me a while to do it because I, my first guitar uh, was, um, well, it was a Guild Starfire. And uh, I, within a year, I'd, That's I had pretty saved cool up first enough. guitar. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't really have the, I mean, I remember like getting guitar player magazine with, uh, the dude from starship Craig Chiquito or Chiquiso or whatever, beautiful metallic purple BC rich. I didn't want that. I mean, I thought it was cool, but I was kind of like more of a Beatles kid and listened to the oldie station and stuff like that. And so I liked hollow bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I got to use a 67, uh, Starfire three with a Bigsby. So I, you know, I felt almost like I was a beetle, you know, it was a, it was a hippie refin of sorts. And so it was just like a natural finish over that Sapelli, which is uh, like mahogany. So, you know, it felt like, felt like I was almost there. And then, um, I saved my shekels and, uh, the next year I got a 335 out of the newspaper for 400 bucks. And, um, you know, you don't strip those, you don't hot rod them, you don't splatter paint them. And so I would, I had a lot of envy there for, for, for a couple of years. I had a friend who showed up, uh, popped open the trunk of his Opal and there was a seventies, uh, you know, bullet truss rod strat in parts that he got. And he ended up painting that and cutting a smoke mirror, pick guard and had another friend who like did uh he's like an airbrush artist and did like this uh uh midnight blue sort of scene with lightning bolts and then he put a bunch of leds in in the guitar to light up with the lightning and you know that that was really exciting and i did end up getting like a a 70s Epiphone is a Japanese sort of version of the Rivoli bass. I think not, not the Rivoli, um, help me, the solid body, the embassy, maybe, whatever. Um, kind of a Wilshire shape. And I stripped it and I painted it and I made a guard for it. And I felt like I had joined the club and that was cool. And um, so I, you know, I, met, I, I always played and I played in bands and I never had any money. So it was just that kind of you know, how can I make this or that better? And then when I went off to college, uh, my sophomore year, I moved into a house off campus. It was backed up to a guitar store. And uh, it's a store that um, the owner was super cool, super uh, knowledgeable Martin guy. He went on to be like one of those antique roadshow guys. And, um, but 
I was just there all the time and he kind of, I won't say he took me under his wing, but he let me come up to the repair shop and showed me how to do things. And eventually just said, you know, you've got carte blanche to come up here anytime you want. Everyone who works here knows that if you come through the door with a guitar, you're welcome to go straight up to the shop and work on it. And he had some talented repair guys there that, that I got to, you know, pick their brains on, um, pick their brains on. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to call you on it, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, how else I would have said that. Pick their brains. Just pick Who their cares? brains. I think that's the, that's the phrase. Yeah. I picked their brains. <laughs> <laughs> when you say pick their brains on, it's like, we're, it, it just sounds, yeah. I think you could, if you needed a, a another word, a, about would be. Yeah. Yeah. Would be. Yes. But yeah. uh, pick their brains. On. Yeah. Yes. On. Uh, anyway. On, yeah. It this starts is... sounding non consensual when you add. That was a oversight on my part. So yeah. So anyway, that, that was me and it just, it ballooned to kick guitars and that sort of thing. And then, um, I met a, a girl, uh, I ended up staying in that town. I got my degree, but in four years, but I stayed, it was Lawrence, Kansas, KU. I stayed there for, um, uh, a total of 10 years because it was a great slacker town and I was a great slacker and I was in, you know, I was in a band and we were, making a meager living being in a band. And I just kind of rode that forever. Uh, but I, I ended up my now wife, I met her there and she was from New York and she, after she graduated, she was like, I'm out of here, dude. And uh, I ended up following her to New York and I got a, a gig at Sadowski guitars in New York city. That's, um, you know, and, we, we have another friend of ours who's been on the show, Meredith yep, Coloma, Meredith Coloma yep. who, uh, trained under Sadowski as well. Yep. Oh, really? When was she there? I'm not, I don't think I'm familiar with her. She would have been there uh, long after you. She's, she's only like 33 or something now. Um, gotcha. She trained at Sadowski probably within about eight years ago, I think. Yeah. Somewhere around there. But, but that was 1995. And at the time, uh, Sadowski was still in Times Square. I think he's moved twice probably uh, with, Meredith probably worked in uh, Long Island City, probably. Don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, we were Times Square, 48th, between 48th and 49th Street on Broadway. So we were right um, around the corner, basically, you know, 48th Street, which at the time was the music row, guitar row. You know, you had all the, the cool shops. Rudy was there. Uh, Manny's Music was still Manny's Music. Sam Ash. Um, uh, Alex guitar. Uh, and it was, it was just a really super cool, exciting place to, to work. And he was like 50%. If you're not familiar with Sadowski, he was kind of one of those first kind of hot rod fender guys. Bases are really what he was known for. Yeah. Um, but built bases and guitars and, but 50% of, of the work was repair work and it was high dollar New York city stuff and recordings guys stuff and artist stuff and orthodontist stuff, you know, all the best vintage guitars in the world. I saw everything under the sun before the internet was really a place that had pictures, you know? Um, and it was just a tremendous uh, learning experience and it was totally awesome. Uh, in 2002, um, 
after 9-11, after my wife went to Buffalo for graduate school, we were not married yet. Uh, after my dad got ill and I felt kind of like being in New York, it was hard to get back home. Um, I didn't come home. I moved to Nashville and I got a job at Gibson's custom shop. And I did, I was in the pro shop there for a couple of years. And then I moved into the engineering department where I, um, was sort of like their man on the floor. I wouldn't call myself an engineer per se, but, um, I did a lot of really interesting stuff with them and some ho, ho, hum, ho, 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 hum, corporate baloney <laughs> with them, you know, with, like, with, with um, yeah, you know, like they they would do promotional guitars. You know, it's like so, like well, the the trophy the era when when they were pumping out those nonstop like the NASCAR cars, the Walmart cars. Yeah, the, yeah, the I did the NASCAR. I, that was one of my gigs. Was I had to walk the NASCAR guitars through production, and I had to <laughs> apply that big dumb wrap on the top. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I just yeah. As yeah, that sucks, but I, I got to... I just want to give you a hug and just be like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that 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 was a drag, but I got to do some super cool things there, too. Totally, totally worth it. Um, but, you know, I at a certain point, it's like, okay, I'm not going to get anything else out of this gig, and uh, uh, something just fell out of the sky into my lap, which was a, a retail gig. Uh, selling high-end guitars in my hometown. And it, I didn't even know about it, that it existed. But, you know, there's the uh, uh, originally, I guess there's still mail order, internet, Musician's Friend. Their big warehouse was based out of Kansas City. It was before GC owned it. And they had a high-end guitar room and different brand called Private Reserve Guitars. And it's been absorbed into the... Uh, larger GCMF world, but I think it's still called that. Uh, but basically it, they had this climate controlled room with about 3000 high end guitars in it. Most of which were Gibson custom shop guitars and they were selling them out of a call center in Salt Lake city. And, um, someone there decided that maybe that wasn't the best way to sell these high end guitars. And so I went in there as their first, actual, they called it a guitar advisor, but essentially it was a sales gig, but you would act, you know, I'd take calls from guys looking for a specific guitar and I might play three, four, five different guitars for them, take photos, tell them how I felt about them, warm fuzzies, ice picky, whatever, and hopefully eventually sell them a guitar. And I never really like, you know, dug sales, but it was a good gig in one, it was a real gig, probably the only real job I've ever had in my life. But also I got to really learn about all the different manufacturers and how they priced things and how vastly different margins were from one brand to another and what kind of warranty someone could, you know, expect. And, uh, you know, I certainly learned about uh, a certain type of customer that I wouldn't wish on anyone, which I think a lot of those types are attracted to more of a mail order, impersonal, almost call center sort of environment. Uh, 
and that's all I'm going to say about that until you ask me more. <laughs> no worries. So I want to. So but I did that um, for five years. I'm five sorry. Years? Oh, I was going to. I did that like, for so five how long years. Were you, I was about to ask the question. You just. Yeah. <laughs> and if I can backtrack to Sadowski, as I was getting ready to leave, we had just we had moved from Times Square to Brooklyn. Uh, at the end of the uh, his leash, they were going to knock. They, they ended up knocking down the building. Uh, and, uh, I really didn't want to go to Brooklyn. Um, no real reason other than I was used to very close commute and 48th street and walking to work. I would walk 50 blocks to work cause it was New York. It was exciting. Um, but, um, where was I going with this Brooklyn? Oh yes. I built a guitar. I built the, my first swope guitar the first Swope Geronimo I built while I was still at Sadowski because I didn't know if I'd have a gig when I went to Nashville or not. And so this whole time that I'm doing these other things, especially the sales thing, I was still working on guitars, still working on the Geronimo, revising the body shape, um, building a couple of different prototypes. And around 2012, um, a buddy of mine who's a roadie, came through town with Hall and Oates. And he's like, man, you should bring a guitar by. I'm like, really? Nah. Like, no, no, you should. And so uh, I showed up at Soundcheck and this, he's like, John, John Oates. He's like, he's, he's a great player. He, he digs guitars. You ought to show him what you got. So I had a prototype and I brought it there for Soundcheck. And uh, without telling the whole wonderful tale, uh, he ended up playing it that night and came off the bus and said, I want to place an order for one. And I thought, well, sh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. And, and at that point it's like, okay, well, I got to start. It still took me about a year and a half to get all my financial ducks in a row and, and all that. But on 20, uh, January 1, 2014, I started my own gig. I left, I left the private reserve sales gig and started Swope Guitars. And it was the type of thing where, you know, I was so prepared and I had like, you know, a customer list of like, you know, seven or 800 people who I'd done multiple sales with over the year. And they just loved me. I was the greatest thing on earth. And I thought this was going to be seamless. I had worked out relationships with different dealers, uh, good dealers, uh, and you know, I had like guitars placed my, the day I, I said, okay, I'm starting business. By the way, you can get my guitars at Wildwood guitars. You can get my guitars at the music zoo. And, um, and, uh, and I did sell some stuff initially right away, but then it got, then it, it didn't go anywhere very quick. And I realized pretty, uh, uh, fast that, um, you know, I think a lot of those people love me because I helped them find the Les Paul they always wanted. Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You I was, know, I was it, ask, it, like, how much did you encounter the like the stodgy nature of of the guitar market? Because I would well, say, I, and, I, and yeah. I'm generalizing here, but I'm sweeping with a big brush. Uh, but I, I gotta say, more than eighty percent of the guitar market doesn't stray far from the big brands, if ever. Oh, totally. Totally. You know what? I, I, part of it is also I made the call for better or worse in hindsight 
whatever, probably worse. Um, you know, back to Sadowski, I would, um, you know, I worked in one of the back rooms building all day and I was the, uh, production manager, but I was the primary base builder was my main gig there. And, uh, you know, I'd go up front and Roger would have a guitar on his bench and the next day it would be there and Roger would be on the phone. The next day I'd see him, whatever he's on the computer. Four weeks later, the guitars finally handed off to somebody who can actually have the time to do the gig, the job. And I just thought if I can be, I would rather sell to dealers and let them deal with all this customer stuff. And I just came off five years of customers knowing that your best customer can still be a tremendous time suck. So say, I'm going to let those guys do that. I'm going to give them the margin and I'm just going to be more productive. But, uh, so I didn't really like reach out directly other than just like mass emails. I never called anyone and said, will you buy my guitar? Cause I thought that was uncool. Mm. You know, um, so yeah, so it was very slow start. Um, and then, you know, a couple of big obstacles are, are not obstacles. I had a couple of kind of catastrophic events the first couple of years. Uh, but I just held on and kept doing it. And then one day I thought about jazz master vibratos and um once i started working on the descendant i thought this is a money maker this is this is a great idea in front of all of our noses since we were before we were born how did nobody think of this before how could <laughs> and um you know and that's really been great it's it's grown organically. I think I'm like three years into that. Um, and it's, it's helped my guitar brand and, um, it's surprisingly rewarding. And then, so I do build guitars. I still build guitars. I, this year I told my couple remaining dealers that I just can't do the dealer gig anymore. I can't, I can't do it in a way that's fair to you as a dealer because, you know, I'm going to get five orders all of a sudden and I'm going to have to fulfill them and you're never going to see your guitar. And so, um, I let them all, all couple of them know that I'm done with them. Love them. Thank you so much. Uh, and you know, now I'm building and I can build what I want to build. And, um, when I'm ready to sell it, I can just throw it up on the site or not my website. It sucks. Uh, but on Instagram and, uh, you know, sell a guitar that I want, that I wanted to build and built it the way I wanted and was happy with it. And I wasn't under any pressure at all because I have this other gig that's actually paying the bills. And so it's been fantastic. And I have, a, you know, I added a bridge to it and I've tweaked that a couple of times. And then, you know, there's a couple other product ideas I have in mind. It's, it's, really cool because it allows me to kind of be the builder that I wish the market would have, you know, said, Hey, this guy, I mean, how could I not? This guy was <laughs> in the boutique guitars for seven years before anybody, before any of you guys ever 
knew anything. You know, he was the, the main man on the floor at the custom shop for X number of years. He was the one who got the call for all the cool artist stuff. You know, this guy can build. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything really left to learn. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm just telling you, I, I had it. I was overprepared, but no one gave a <laughs> Uh, nobody, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever, dude. And I think, you know, it's come around and now, and I, now I, I regularly have people reach out wanting, you know, me to, to build for them. And I'm, I, it's kind of fun to say, no, I can't, but I'll build something and I'll put it for sale. Um, and I've, you know, I've done all right, but whatever. Yeah, Ask no, me a I'd... question. I'm, I'm totally like tangent bill here. <laughs> well, so you kind of told the whole story. I'm just kind of like, where do I ask a question here? Yeah. <laughs> you were answering everything before I got to it. Um, but I think one of the things you kind of just added at the end there as part of your story that I think is kind of actually a big deal is the fact that at this point, Descendant has kind of taken on your main role. Oh, 100%. And yeah. uh, Swope Guitars is um, not, you know, you're not throwing in the towel on it, but it is... Um, in a more back burner ca- uh, capacity, which is well, I, a very interesting yeah, and transition. I'll, t- I'll tell you, and um, I think most of the guys you interview would probably say the same thing. It's very hard to make money selling guitars, uh, you know, in a small scale business like this. Your your bill of materials is so high, mm-hmm. and it's your name on the headstock, so you want it to be perfect. So the time that you put in it is extraordinary. And, you know, the market still dictates, you know, my guitars are now, uh, you know, my guitars new sell for $3,500 and I'm still not making money on it. If, you know, if I really am honest with myself, I'm paying myself, but I'm not really growing anything. Uh, whereas, you know, the, the vibrato and the bridge world, uh, is something that I think I've, I've, I've found a little, you know, spot. And I, you know, I still, I still haven't even advertised. I've never advertised. All I have is an Instagram account and it's not a, it's not a professional Instagram account. It's just (laughs) pictures. I, I, uh, you know, having, again, being, being an early adopter, being there from, I don't want to say the beginning because I I certainly wasn't the first, Um, but being there early, uh, and watching the growth has just been like insane. I, I remember when, uh, you know, just to, and I hate to name a competitor while we're talking to you, but yeah. um, I remember when well, the look, whole world was just yeah. all mastery, 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 mastery. And now um, I would say you've really split the difference on that. So you've carved, um, you've well, carved out a huge chunk I'm, of that market. Oh, yeah. For sure. I, you know, when I see the same builders that used to be all sporting the M and now I see you on just as many of their products as not, um, which is really, well, really cool. You know, I've, I've seen it you. is cool. Um, I will tell you if not for mastery, there's no way I, I ever would have thought to do something like this. Yeah. You know, the, if, if I can do the, um, and I credit, I think his bridge is super clever design. I mean, it is, it's awesome. Um, I, I don't dislike mastery. I, I, think I, can't, yeah. I can't even say talking about it like any. there's anything to discredit about yeah. the mastery oh, Tremont bridge. bridge. It's, it's, it's magnificent yeah. too. Um, yeah. 
the the innovative things that you've done to your design though um take yeah. the the ideas and the and the 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 fixes that the mastery system has and and just kind of hones it into something different and yeah arguably I, um, in my opinion a little more effective on the trem side maybe not maybe the bridges were are, are, are they're pretty jazzy they're pretty cool <laughs> but the the countersunk the way you you've you've really sunk your your trem below the plate right makes, uh, makes it really really well clever. i you know i again i think his his bridge is super innovative. I think his vibrato is super high quality. Um, but you know, I don't, it doesn't really correct anything. Mm -hmm. And I think where I saw that, so the whole, the whole way this started, um, was a guy I knew in New York, uh, Jason Victor is a jazz master guy. And at Sadowski, I've owned a slew of vintage jazz masters. Once I got to New York, I mean, we were going to all the guitar shows. We were getting tables at shows, acting as dealers, buy, sell, trade, working our way up to better and better guitars. I've had so many cool guitars. I've sold them all now because I have my own brand and you got to feed the family. But, um, you know, I was a jazz master guy. And so like Roger Sadowski would let me, you know, have my own, you know, you know, lower tier jazz master customers off hours, you know, cause they weren't going to come pay his hundred dollar an hour, you know, in the nineties sort of repair rates. Um, and they were my friends or whatever, or became my friends through jazz masters through jazz mastery. And, uh, so one of these guys, Jason Victor, um, he and I became really good friends. And at the time he was playing with Steve Wynn uh, from the dream syndicate, and, uh, Jason's kept with it and, you know, is a full member of the dream syndicate. That band got back to get reformed with Jason as a guitarist. Jason plays with Matthew sweet. Uh, he's done some really interesting gigs with other people. Um, and he's been playing this beat up jazz master that I think I refretted in the nineties. And then Trevor Healy, who I, trained basically at Sadowski who you might know him as a builder Healy guitars. He's fantastic. Following um, yeah. he refred, he refretted it in the two thousands and you know, it's just, it can't take the road anymore. And he, he called me. He's like, would you build me? I think I know what I want. I want uh, a Telecaster with a jazz master pickup in the neck and a tele pickup in the bridge and a jazz master by Brada. Would you build that for me? And I'm thinking, no. <laughs> and I tell him, um, let me give it some thought. And so I ended up, I think it was 2017 by the time I came out with the guitar. Um, I ended up just designing this entirely new guitar. Cause I don't, you know, I, plenty of people are building telecasters. Great. And yeah, I'm trying to make up my own, yeah. <laughs> my own brand identity. And I'm going to build a guitar that is a swoop. And so I had this model that was not yet named and I, I, I bought a mastery and I bought a state trim and they're both great. Um, and I, I had an import vibrato 
for the NAMM show. It was just like a 11th hour sort of coming together. And, you know, I got there and there's a demo of it, a good playing it on YouTube. And it, it was fine. It was great. Uh, but, you know, I knew that if you were dug in, those strings were going to pop out of the saddles. They just were. And so then I, I bought the mastery vibrato. Can I say that? Can I say that? I'm going to say it because I really do respect him. Um, and it was great quality and all, but it didn't offer any corrective issue. And, you know, I just kept thinking about it. And then one day a piece of it just fell into place and then another piece. And I just kept working through it. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, my story of my life, every band I was in, you know, type of thing. It's like, we didn't have any money. We had a PV amplifier for a monitor. We had a single giant SP1 PA speaker and a crap board. And we'd go to some open mic and there'd be this band, open mic, Marshall stacks all the way in the back, the best gear in the world. You know, it's like, ah, so I didn't, you know, where am I, what do I know? I'm a guitar builder. How am I going to do this metal thing? And I have this idea in my head. What, what the heck am I going to do? And, um, initially I, I hooked up with a friend of a friend, Bea Gibson, uh, who was, uh, at the time. And I had actually hooked up with him before cause he helped me with my drawing, my pickup covers for injection mold plastic, which is not just drawing. You have to really know how they work in the machines, mm-hmm. what the tolerances are, what the angle, nothing is square. It's gotta be able to punch out. Um, you know, and he started helping me draw stuff in 3d cause I don't, I'm a CAD guy. And then I got wind from a good friend out of the blue. One of those things you put on Facebook, you know, sometimes, you know, who's got a good veterinarian, anybody know anybody, you know, who works in a machine shop that can help me with something. And this guy did like four times better. He, he hooked me up with a guy at a community college that had an absolute state of the art, um, metal program with, laser cutting, um, and of course lathes and, uh, but some machines, I, I think you would probably call a Swiss mill style machine. I didn't graduate. This didn't warrant that. Um, but just incredible stuff for a community college. You're like, what the hell, you know? And uh, the professor guy or whatever, I don't think he's a professor. He wouldn't call himself that. He was like, yeah, this is, nobody knows we're here. And, they took me on as like a um, semester. I had to wait a semester, but as a class project. And so I was able through them to actually get a physical prototype. Uh, and that next year I took that to the NAM show on a, on one of these guitars. And that's when it all started. Um, yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of kinks to work out. Uh, but I mean, it's amazing. I don't, you know, I don't want to, I would tell, I would not suggest that anyone get into this business. <laughs> it's horrible to make a living. You're, you're, it's wonderful in a way, 
but um, it's really difficult to make a, a living. So if you don't have deep pockets, it's really tough. But I would also say, say that there are so many, you know, cool uh, businesses out there and maker spaces and nonprofits and community colleges. You know, I, I have a small shop in my basement. I'm, I think I might get out of it by the end of the summer or at least part of everything out of it because I'm totally grown on top of myself. But, you know, I belong to a maker space. I belong to a woodworkers guild. Um, and so I've got these places that I can go to and do things as if it was my shop for a monthly, you know, subscription basically. Yeah. Uh, and in the case of the woodworkers guild, it's a bunch of guys who've got 20 years on me. You know, they're all retired. They, they're, they're, um, you know, they're, they're really happy to help if you've got a question on how to use this or that machine. And, you know, so I have access to, um, you know, a joiner the size of, a, of an aircraft carrier, you know, with huge, um, you know, they've got uh, whatever. I won't get into it. But my, my point is there's a lot you can do. And I'm like the, the uh, uh, textbook example of a guy who just sticks it out, you know, and finds a way to do it. And it's finally, it would appear, you know, it's paying off finally. If you can hold on long enough, you know, you might, you might make it. <laughs> Tale of endurance. Um, so you, you, you come out with the, the vibrato and I have to think it wasn't too long before you realized you were really onto something because yeah. of how well I, wa I watched your social media grow very quickly. I remember when it was just a couple hundred and, you know, pretty far from that now. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember it was pretty rare to see your, your tram on guitars. And, um, now I see it all the time. Your very regular appearance on uh, a lot of my favorite builders. Um, so the business has, has proven it's got desire. Um, so when did you decide, okay, I need to add the bridge to this. I need to, I need to get this expansion of that. And then, uh, when did you do the, uh, the, uh, the, oh, my, my brain, my brain just absolutely fell out the side of my head again. <laughs> uh, the blue collar bridge. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, a couple of things from the get go, uh, you know, the other thing that, that has helped me in life, and I think we all have these, is, you, you know, whether you seek them out or not, you just naturally find mentors. You know, whether they're, you know, someone who's in the business who kind of can guide you, whether it's someone who is in a different business that you have a deficiency in that particular type of understanding or whatever. And so I've, you know, I've had some, some, I, I, I have a panel of people who I will, you know, humbly seek advice from sometimes and, or people I work with or whatever. And so one of those guys, uh, is a, um, a guy named John Croft and he was, a, I forget if he was an inventory planner for all GC stores or something when I met him, 
but I just, same sort of thing. You hit it off with a guy, you, you, you start to talk about stuff and you just become friends over the years. And, you know, he told me as soon as the descendant came out and just was well received because it was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So he's like, okay, you've got a, you've got a product. You need a product line. That's what you need. You're not going to make it with one product. You might like make a splash for a while, but that's going to peter out. You got to have a product line that's going to build, grow your brand. I mean, tell that um, to the Proco rat company. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't yeah. care how many variations they put out. They've got one product. Yeah. <laughs> well, but they've got Keith Richards. <laughs> or they had him. I don't know what he uses these days. Yeah, I don't know. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that was part of it was like, yeah. And I knew I had to come out with the bridge. And I just thought I had to have something. I didn't think I had to have anything groundbreaking. I didn't think I had to go the intellectual property route again, because that's a whole other expense. I'm glad I did it. Um, and I learned an awful lot through that, but it's, it's a ton of money and a ton of time and a ton of hoops to jump through. But, um, yeah, so I thought I needed a bridge and I, I kept trying to come up with a design and, um, that, that addressed the things that I wanted still. And also, you know, if we're talking about the other brand, the other brand is, um, you know, also believes in protecting intellectual property. And so there's some things on, on that bridge that people are like, Oh yeah, I'll just do that on my bridge and I'll do this with cells or whatever. And it's like, no, you, you really can't do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, it, it was really interesting how that developed in my brain, the actual, the companion bridge. And it's still developing in my brain. I think I got one more twist that might come out. Um, I, really, but, uh, I, really, I really love what, you, what you've done thus far. So you're saying you, there's more twists to come. Um, I, I thought it was really simple and elegant. You know, it, it kind of... Uh, not to oversimplify your, your, your design, but you, you kind of took what you did with the trim and applied it to like a Mustang style bridge. And, yeah. uh, it, the results are fantastic. <laughs> um, and the, you know, the, the thing with the collars so that they can fit snugly in those, uh, you know, the thimbles, the post receivers, whatever you want to call them. Um, that was something that, was the last thing that occurred to me, the final thing. And I would, I think I was already running bridge bases and running saddles I had, and I had prototyped and I, you know, I was trying to describe something to a friend who, what, who worked at a machine shop of what I was trying to achieve. And I had, you know, the, if you, if you, do you have the bridge or you just have the vibrato? Uh, I just have the vibrato. Um, okay. The bridge that uh, my guitar once upon a time started life as a squire. Um, yeah. And the bridge that it came with was the updated style Mustang type bridge. Yep. 
and uh, it's, it works. It, it's never given me any trouble. And, and, and to be yeah. honest, at the time when I bought the Trem, um, it was a good year and a bit at least before you uh, were making. Oh, purchase, sure. So, um, but well, the, it's never the, given me any trouble. So I was just kind of like, I never bothered to change. Well, and now, <laughs> you know, when people ask me, people will ask me, and and something I, as a sales guy, the way that I could sleep at night was I never BS'd anybody. You know, my job was to find the best guitar for that person. Not to find the best guitar. Not to find the guitar that I wanted. To find the guitar that 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 they would want. And sometimes the guitar that I knew that they would appreciate might have been $3,000 cheaper than a guitar that I could have sold them. But, you know, I just wanted to be true, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, a lot of people will will text, email me, text me, whatever. Hey, you know, which should I buy first? Or I've got this bridge. I want a new bridge or, you know, whatever. They would tell me their thing. And I would tell anybody still, if you're just going to try one thing, try the vibrato. Because the vibrato is what really addresses the primary issue with those guitars. And that was the hole that I saw with, the other guy, he had a bridge design that was very super clever and addressed a lot of things. But I still maintain that the bigger issue is that, you know, is that it's the jazz masters essentially a bridge vibrato system meant for an arch top guitar that they put on a slab body yeah. and you just don't have the pitch. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you know, you could have the deepest V slot ever your strings could stay in the saddles, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to grab, they're not going to resonate the way that something that has really, you know, substantial downward pressure is going to. And, and um, you know, you've also addressed a couple of things with the trim, like the, the, one of the biggest problems that a classic jazz style trim has is the, the mounting screws sticking upwards and catching yeah. the winds for the strings and, yeah. um, I moved him out of the way. You know, it's like, <laughs> why did it take 60 years to think of that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's move him out of the way. And I think you've, uh, you've had such an impact on the industry for moving those positions and using machine screws, I might add, but the, specifically the moving of those screws, um, that I think you influenced Fender. And I'm specifically saying you, because I, the American Performer 2 series, that updated bridge they just switched yeah. to. I don't know if you noticed, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know. And, you know, um, I, funny thing, I, I, wherever I was going before, it was going to be awesome, but we're going here now. So, um, you know, one aspect of hanging on and staying in an industry for 27, 28 years, however long I've been doing this professionally, um, is you also, you know, it is a small world. It is a, um, a, uh, you know, what do you call it? It's not incestuous, but you know, people move from, you know, it's like, Oh, you were used to be with him. Now you're with him. And, <laughs> you know, oh, where are you, who, what company yeah. are you working at now? <laughs> and so, um, a guy that I knew through a GC ended up going to Fender and, uh, being pretty high up there. And he was at the NAMM show when I first showed up that second time with that style guitar, but this time with the descendant 
vibrato. And um, they came over. He brought a guy over. They looked at it. They ran it through their paces. They were like, yeah, this is really exciting. And I knew um, um, Tim helped me, Tim Buckers. Tim, he worked at Gibson and then worked Tim at Fender. Tim Shaw. Yeah, I knew Shaw from when I first, <coughs> excuse me, when I first was going down to Nashville, trying to get an idea if I wanted to move there. I went to Gibson USA. And I, at the time, Fender Custom Shop had a, a place in Nashville that was actually doing like cool Fender stuff. Um, and so I met Tim then, um, but Tim came over and it was like, they were all like really ooh and and on. It's like, yeah, we're going to have our attorneys call you this, that, and the other. And, you know, it's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to license it? Do you want to, you know, do you want to build them? You know, what do you, what do you want to do? And I really didn't know yet what I wanted to do, but I was willing to have the conversation. And, um, you know, then I didn't hear anything at all. And then, um, I think about six months later, somehow I ended up getting, uh, something from them to sign that then their lawyers were going to sign and return back to me. And so I did that and it, it never came back. And at that point I didn't care because I had started the business and it was growing and it was exciting. And I just figured, well, if they ever wanted to do anything with me, the, the more fun I'm having, the more successful this is, the better that deal is going to work out for me than if I'm just a guy with an idea where they're like, Hey, you know, huckster in me or whatever. So, um, and then, you know, I don't know how much time now goes by, but I get a call and it's from that guy who is now high up at Fender. And he's a great guy. This, this whole thing is not disparaging anyone. It's just, I know the business I know. And I know that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing either in a business that size. But he called me, maybe it was about the American performer issue. And this, uh, uh, line and this was probably pre-pandemic and he said we'd like to exclusively license the descendant and by at that point i knew that i didn't want to exclusively license it because exclusively licensing it wouldn't guarantee me anything other than that they were the only ones who could use it if they chose to and, you know, he had a timeline that I wasn't going to be ready for because I think I had done some twist and I'm like, well, now I've made this change and I got it, you know, and it, it didn't happen. And I'm totally fine with that. And if they called again tomorrow, I would totally take the call and listen and see if there was something that made sense for us. But, you know, they came out with that one paranormal vibrato. And it doesn't do what mine does, but it does something that's very cool, you know, in its, its huge throw, the ability of, you know, basically dive bomb, not, nothing I ever wanted to do on a jazz master, but, you know, it was cool. So, yes, thank you. I influenced Fender. Thank you very much. <laughs> Information. Yeah, right on. <laughs> well, um, I want to talk about something that uh casper and i haven't announced no officially oh yeah yeah oh i never even talked about that yeah yeah so the bcb yeah so before we before we before we get into the bcb um we we've alluded to it i think a couple times 
uh, before. And I think I don't, I don't know that we've done it on air. No, no. I, I think we've okay. had many conversations with many people about it, but never on air. And no. if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, you man, yeah. you know me. I have the memory of a goldfish. So I'm yep. not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> critique you if you <laughs> forgot some. But you, you want to kick it? You want to say what we're up to? Sure, yeah. So uh, everybody knows that we took a, a fairly big project on and uh, we did parts caster builds last year, um, which really just culminated in the last, you know, I guess at the beginning of this year, we kind of capped them off and, and finished them. So, uh, and, and, you know, we, we did they a, were a build. They supposed to be a last summer project. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and, and, you know, due to lots of different reasons, um, we just finished them this, this past, uh, you know, late winter. So um, the the plan was, and the plan's been in the works even while we were working on those to do another parts caster build series. But this year we're not doing instruments for ourselves, um, obviously because that would be weird. So <laughs> what we're doing is we're well, put, that would be fun. Yeah, well, hey, you know what, and you know what, I'm going to tell you right now that where we're at with this thing so far, it's going to be really hard to let it go. Yes, it is. So what we're doing this year is. Uh, a single guitar, um, and the premise of this guitar, it's the same idea. We're using vendors from everywhere uh, to put together uh, an an epic level axe. Um, in It's kind of designed the way Al and I like guitars. Um, there is walnut involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, but w- what we're doing is building a guitar, and we're going to, uh, we're basically, we're going to give it away. And we're not going to give it away to a person that enters a giveaway. Because you can't enter yourself in the giveaway. You cannot enter yourself in this giveaway. Yeah. This is the best part about it. I think this gives me goosebumps. I love this aspect of our giveaway because you cannot enter this giveaway for yourself. Um, This giveaway is about giving a guitar to someone that needs it. To a a kid that you know that couldn't afford a high-quality, big, you know, big brand axe, you know, but just has a passion for guitar or, you know, maybe somebody that's, that's down on their, there's their luck be or there's out somebody there. out there Everybody that deserves somebody, right? this axe. Yeah. And so if you enter to win this axe, it's actually for someone that needs it. So you're nominating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You make your nominations for someone to win this, uh, to take this axe home. So to explain the process a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can donate, and we're we're still in the finite detail sorting of this part. So this this might change as of me talking about it. Yeah. Uh, you can donate to a nonprofit, and Casper and I are still working out exactly what that's going to be. We've there's, there's been talks of any nonprofit. There's been talks of maybe something to help Ukrainian refugees, or there's there's a bunch of chat going there's on. There's a bunch of stuff it. going on. We haven't I nailed s- it down just yet. Yeah. One thing we want to avoid oh, I- is we want to avoid politics yep and we want to avoid uh religious stuff and that's just because a lot of us think very differently on those those things casper and i think pretty differently on some of those things right and uh this this is about just doing pure good so we're still working on that part but we're gonna it's gonna be donating to nonprofit is gonna be a part of the process and then you send us proof of that donation whether it's a screenshot of the receipt or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that, that is good thing. Number one, that is just money helping a good thing. Yeah. And then good thing. Number two is where we come in and by sending us proof of your donation, you are allowed to nominate someone 
you think deserves a great guitar or needs it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell us why. And then Casper and I are going to read these and uh, we're going to read every single one of them. And, and we're going to, t- I mean, even put it to debate, I think. Yep. We're going to really, really choose a, a candidate or a nominee that really to. We're going to do our best to find someone yeah. that really needs it. I guess what I'm trying to say. And, is- and, uh, and I imagine if this goes the way we want it to go, this will be the hardest part <laughs> yeah 100%. because there's going to be a lot more people that need this than we're going to be able to help because we're going to be able to help one yeah so we're going to do that we're going to we're going to pick someone we think is you know there's going to be more than one worthy person i hope um and we're going to pick the person we think needs it the most yeah and uh then they're going to get a guitar yeah and we're going to do our level best to make sure that not only is this guitar amazing but it's going to be the best guitar that we can possibly put together. Yeah. And I think we put together some pretty good instruments last year. Yeah, yeah. So this one might not be and as as like fancy per se in so it's style. Not, it's not fan fret. It's not yeah. you know, it's it's a little bit more We're trying to make a crowd pleaser yeah. because we don't really know who this is going to. Yeah. But we're 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 making an instrument that we can be real proud of and it's something that we would love. So We've done, uh, we'll call it a telly style. Yep. And uh, we're doing wide range style pickups. It's semi hollow. It's semi hollow. Um, although it won't look semi hollow. No, it is, well, we'll call it chambered. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, Casper's involved, so we had to do a, a figured well, walnut top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and that's just very, very us to do. So it's going to so. have a figured walnut top, it's going to have an ash back. Um, it's going to have a fancy neck. I'm not entirely sure what's the woods are in the neck. I'd have to double check, but, uh, what we can say at this point is some of the people involved in making it, we haven't, we haven't, uh, a hundred percent solidified everybody involved in it yet, but more to the point of why we're bringing this up on this particular episode. Um, Chris is, uh, on board. He is donating the bridge. <laughs> so one of one of his blue collar bridges button, is going to be securing things nice and tight on the guitar. Uh, the body, once again, we're we're being uh, pleasantly uh, supported by Gary at Partscaster Concierge. Um, the neck is, this year is coming from Don Tremont Guitars, in Eastern Canada, out in uh, yeah. Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. I, I can't Nova remember. Scotia. I think it's Nova Scotia. It's in Nova Scotia or Newfoundland. Um, oh yeah. But uh, he's he's an sorry Daniel. Meeting. We've had him on the show. <laughs> yeah. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, the pickups are going to be coming from Peg City. Yep. And, another Chris. Uh, another Chris. Yeah. And that's where we're at so far. So keep an eye out for that, folks. Um, that's going to be coming uh, pretty soon. Here we're getting some of the last details sorted out, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll start getting parts coming into us and uh, start the build process. Um, if you're listening to this and you want to help us out with making this build thing happen, one thing that I know is going to come up that would really help Casper and I, because we don't make money doing this, yeah, is we would love somebody to come on board and sponsor the shipping. Because this guitar is going to somebody who can't afford a nice guitar. Yeah. So they're not going to be able to afford shipping. 
And I believe it's open worldwide. It's worldwide. Yeah. So oh, dear. This, this could be painful. Yeah. Shipping wise. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Yeah, know, yeah. I just yeah. want to be honest. Like there might be some kid in Northern Australia that that's the guy who needs this and that's who we end up yeah. picking and it, that's going to hurt shipping wise. And uh, frankly, Casper and I can't afford that. Nah. Well, Casper can. He's like two thirds Oprah rich. But <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> just kidding. You're you're funny. <laughs> um, you know we've we've talked uh, before on the show. You know we're 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 pretty blue collar ourselves. Yeah, we just don't have a lot of money. So we're looking for somebody to come on and do that, and we know it's a big ask. Yeah. Um, we we truly truly do. So if if you want to, if somebody out there is listening and wants to come on board for that, we need it. Um, but we really wanted to bring this up because we wanted to thank Chris, um, for, for coming on board and doing the bridge, um, which is not normal for you. And I've, I've been following you for long enough. You, you know, you don't, you don't have a policy of, you don't give away product. <laughs> I don't give away product. And, uh, and I understand it, why. This I is a first. It. Yeah. Well, the thing about the blue collar bridge is that it's a blue collar bridge. You know, it is, it's simple. It's like me, you know, it's, it's. I'm a simple man with simple needs and I don't need flash. And so to, you know, to, uh, have a, a tumbled solid, uh, stainless steel plate and three brass saddles is, you know, functionally it's awesome. But, um, yeah, it's certainly for something like this is a no brainer. Of course, I'd love to be part of it. Oh, thank you, man. It, it, that's, that's huge. And we, we, yeah. I, we can't, say how much we appreciate it. Cause it's, it's off the charts, man. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we were surprised last year at who stepped in and got involved with these builds and, uh, we're just as, as surprised this year and, and, and blown away by the support for this. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're really stoked to do it. We're really stoked that everybody's involved so far is involved and, uh, yeah. And, uh, we just, you know, wanted to thank you publicly. Well, it sounds like a cool guitar. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm I'm kind of blown away by it. To be honest, <laughs> um, we got some pictures. Yeah, of, maybe we'll put them up. You know. Yeah, we'll try and share them this week. We got some pictures of the body as it is so far, and uh, Casper immediately messaged me and goes, "I want it." Yeah, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> well, and I yeah, having a conversation with Gary too was was just like, man. He just kind of knocked it out of the park again. He did, yeah. yeah. So he he went so far as to, uh, for for sake of our listeners here, we'll tell you a little bit about it. He not only did this gorgeous figured walnut top on this this really interesting ash body, um, but he went so far as to. <laughs> we were originally going to go quite traditional at this. Yeah, thing. yeah, that was the plan. And he kind of, as he put it, he called an audible. <laughs> um, he did a little bit of uh, contouring around the outer edge to kind of make it interesting looking, and it totally worked. Uh, and then he decided to make countersunk ash control, uh, cavity control cover, and pickup rings mm-hmm. that sit flush into the body. And uh, well, they're not quite flush; they're like bubbled almost. It's, yeah, it's, it's I don't know how to it's describe it. Fantastic! Properly. It's really neat looking. And uh, we're super stoked about it. It's going to be one of those things like we're going to get it put together and then we're going to play it and we're going to fall in love. And then Casper and I are both going to be like, 
Okay, so adding all this up, I have to come Yeah, up what do I got to come up with <laughs> to get my own version of the yeah. same thing? Yeah, it was pretty cool. So it's going to be rad. We'll share some pictures. And, yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on board, Chris. Really appreciate it, man. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. This I, was not a biggie. Yeah. Um, I have a question about the the blue collar bridge now. It, the I have, I'm just looking at a picture on the descendant um, Instagram, and it's just a like a a hardtail. No, no, um, doesn't have the extension part of the the bridge where you would mount, say, like a tele pickup, a bridge pickup. Right. Um, is right. is that is there an option for that? Uh, not yet. Okay, but you know, I that's gotten. Uh, a lot of real positive feedback. And I think one reason is, of course, that uh, it doesn't hit the pocketbook that hard and everybody loves a project. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'm trying to debate, I have a few different, you know, blue collar follow-ups to do for other, sure. you know, people have asked about, you know, more about uh, strat footprint, hardtail footprint, uh, people have asked about, you know, notched for Bigsby, and um, I have definitely thought about with a, um, you know, the cutout for the the bridge pickup in, in a in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's just you. There's, I just have to stay organic. Yeah. You know, growth because yeah. that's the way I do it. So. You know, it's it's what comes next. I'm not exactly sure. I can't roll them all out at once. You know, it's kind of like the thing of, you know, would you make a lefty, you know, of things? You have guitars. And I'm like, yeah. And then you make, but you run two lefties. Because if you have any fallout, you're screwed. (laughs) And so you sell the one, and then you have another lefty for years. You know, talking about guitars. Of course. You see, guys, I have a lefty. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people people ask those sort of things a lot. Will you make this in gold plating? No. no. Uh, will you do polish? Uh, no time soon. Uh, you know, how about black anodized? Nope, not going to do it because I just, I can't. I can only do what I can do yeah. in a manner that makes sense. And the thing about that sawed off telly thing, it is so, you know, simple. And I was using, you know, you can buy a sawed off ashtray type um, all day long. Yeah. Um, I think they're like a punch press sort of thing. They're import. Uh, Not that that means anything necessarily. But what was really nice for me was, so I have a model called the Biscayne that is guitar that is more of a, do I have time? Am I like, yeah, no, you're good, man. So I have a model that's called the Biscayne and it's kind of a Dan Electro ish thing. Originally it had a swamp ash core. It's now alder, but you know, a Masonite, um, uh, Formica sandwich on the top and, back and the rims wrapped in a material and it was a way for me to make a guitar without having to deal with paint and nitro and how long it takes nitro to cure and you know just having everything right there that i can just knock out a guitar if i want to and back to the makerspace thing you know my the makerspace i belong to has you know very large laser cutters so i can take large sheets and laser cut stuff out and so the way that guitar is designed, I draw it all out. And so when I when I mount that top, the pickup 
you know, the swimming pool route is there, the knobs are drilled, the, the switch, uh, you know, strat style switch is cut in there. The holes for the bridge are in there already. It's all done from a CAD drawing. And so everything, if you get your center line right on your neck, should line up perfectly. And, you know, as I built these over the last few years, you know, sometimes in any build, you know, you, you, you have to sometimes adjust the neck pocket a little, just a little tiny bit here or there can make a huge difference with your string alignment by the time you get to the bridge. But, um, I knew that I was getting these bridges and I had first mounted one of these import three saddle bridges on the guitar where the holes were. And, you know, it was, it was way off on the fingerboard alignment. And I was just about to take a sanding block to it. I'm like, I think I'm going to wait and see what, you know, mine makes a difference because, you know, it may. And thankfully I didn't adjust anything. And so when I got the first loop collar, I put it on a guitar and it lined up perfectly right down, you know, the center of the neck. So, you know, it is cool. I don't know how I started this, this sentence or this thought, but bottom line, it's really nice, tight tolerance mm-hmm. for, for, for a very simple thing. You know, if, if your bridge, if you're, if you've done your work, this bridge isn't going to throw you off. And it was illuminating to me on really, you know, not to say crappy, but how crappy the import stuff can be because the, the tolerances are so loose. Yeah that you can, you know, you could mount two different bridges on your guitar and one might cause the strings to fall off the fingerboard and the other might not. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, the reason I ask is one, because, um, it's all, it would, it would kind of open up the market, I think, to, to people that want to retain that, that tele position, mm-hmm. tele pickup position. Uh, and it's the other side is totally self-serving because I have, a classic, <laughs> a classic vibe that I I would love to really throw this what onto. What wanted was a bridge for no, that. no. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna buy one as soon as you have a, a telly a telly pickup cutout, man. I, I'm yeah. call me customer number one. You can just you can just get a pickup ring that that does a telly style pickup. Can and you buy his bridge anyway? Yeah, all right. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> but like, say, it, well, it, that's the other thing. I could just like make an assortment of, of pickup rings, right? That, but but you do you would have to mount. The thing about this that's nice. The thing I like and why I'm glad I pursued with the Descendant is to have you know have it be uh, something that if you wanted to put on your factory guitar, you could do it without having to modify your factory guitar. Yeah. You don't have to plug any holes. You don't have to drill any new holes. Right. And so I think it, once you got into like different uh, pickup surrounds, it kind of fit that, that footprint. So it looked like a telebridge two piece. Who did that? It was a guy. Um, he was sort of a spinoff of PRS. I can't think of him, his name. I've seen it. I've seen other builders do it where it's almost like two separate pieces. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, you would have to, it would be great for, you know, people who are building stuff for themselves, but it wouldn't be a great aftermarket thing. And that's where I think I, I was smart in being conservative mm-hmm. with the, um, descendant because I did get a lot of inquiries about that too. It's like, man, I really like it, but could you do one that's the shape of the, you know, mastery M3 or whatever. And I'm like, no, yeah, that's his. 
Yeah. That's his, his shape. And, you know, my primary customer, if you think about it, is a Fender Jazzmaster for that product, um, Jazzmaster owner. And with the exception of, you know, a handful of years in the 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s, they've been in production now, 1958. Somebody do the math. What is that? 60. Five years on the culture guitarist. You sir have come to the wrong place. Well, my point is there's 65 years worth of guitars out there that are already prospective customers of mine. And so that, that was kind of the, the keep the plate fender to where it drops in. And that's uh, with the blue collar thing, you know, you can take it off of a, you know, a lot of telly guys want to hard mount the, then this is what you should do. You know, hard mount your telly bridge pickup. Just dr- drill it right into the body. You get yeah. that's where you get that tone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like what what signature model was that? G. E. Smith had a signature telly that you know it, it had it hard mounted in there, and then it's because you know there's a certain uh, mysticism about the original Champ lap steels that they were screwed straight in there, and that if you really want to get that sound and Keith. You know, Keith, I don't know if it's Macabre, which one of Keith's uh, tellies has, um, uh, which I've played, by the way, uh, had had the, the uh, Fender Champ pickup just drilled, mounted inside there. Uh, but, you know, it's that type of, of you have that option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Anderson I, does that, right? I think that would be the, the easiest way to do it, just put the, uh, put the rubbers underneath the... The pickup and pick- hard mount it and just, yeah. I mean, as and I've I've been holding them up to Casper, uh, <laughs> which you can't see, uh, listeners, but um, there I've held up a couple of options for yeah separate plates for just doing the bridge pickup if you wanted to do. Uh, I think the only the only hang up for me personally on something like that is getting the the finish to match because I'm yeah. you know having mm-hmm. some. You know, a, a, like a like a soft nickel, like a worn nickel or something like that, isn't going to match the stainless. The, yeah, the and the really lot. like and also, and I just love the the machinist's quality of the stainless. Like it just looks, for lack of a better word, I'm gonna have to beat myself. It looks, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the the blue collar, I stuck with the thickness of a of a vintage telly plate, mm-hmm. which is very thin. So I suspect that a lot of those um, rings might be, uh, you know, the material might be thicker. And so not only would you have a different sheen or, uh, you know, nickel have a little bit of a gray silver tint, chrome have a little bit of a blue silver tint. You'd also have a step up to that. Um, Who knows? That might be the coolest thing ever. You might start a thing. Maybe. Certainly be unique. The step up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, we gotta cut we gotta end it. Yeah. We gotta walk away. Um Chris, I'm so glad we got to do this, man. I, I can't thank you enough um for taking some time out of your day and hanging out with us and, and talking all kinds of nerdy stuff. It was really awesome. It was, yeah, man. It, it was very fun. I, I'm I've done a few of these and I always enjoy them. And uh, this one was nice because uh, 
the questions or the tangents or both <laughs> went off in a little different direction. So, I mean, I know, I assume your listeners have never heard of me at all. So they probably aren't familiar with the other podcasts I've done. But uh, for me, it's like, if I, if I hear one and then I'm like, that is the exact same sentence I said on the last one. <laughs> Come on, man. Mix it up. So that was that I've enjoyed this a lot. Well, thank uh, you. Well, we're, we're glad. Um, and listeners, uh, make sure to check Chris out on, uh, he's got a couple of social medias, Swope Guitars on Instagram, Descendant on Instagram. Uh, what is it? Descendant by Brato. Descendant by Brato. Thank you. Um, he's got the web pages and stuff. We'll include that in the links to the, uh, the show as we usually do. And uh, that's it. We're going to uncelebratory style. I'm, that's a bad sense. We're going to end this in an uncelebratory style, like usual, and just say goodbye. We'll see you next week. <laughs>